G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as incandescent light bulbs? We're living in very uncertain times. Many are discussing the end of the world. So today we're going to look at how will the world end? Will we be wiped out by a pandemic, global warming, or a colossal asteroid? Is it possible the world will be destroyed by machines dressed up as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Or even worse, Justin Bieber? Is that a possibility? Let's have a look at what the Bible tells us. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Essentially, what this verse is telling us from the very beginning is we don't need to worry that humanity will be wiped out with an asteroid hitting the earth. We don't need to worry there's going to be some nuclear war that will wipe out humanity completely. We're told that seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer will continue. God will keep this world going. But while it says that the earth will remain, how long will the earth remain is the question. Jesus' disciples asked him an interesting question in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3. They said to him, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? The Bible has always maintained that the world as we know it will end when Jesus returns. In Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 we're told, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So the question is, how will this happen? How will Jesus return? It's very important that we understand the truth. The truth is very important to us because some truths can have significant impact on our lives, and this is most definitely one of them. I was looking at the story of Marshall Applewhite. He started the group called Heaven's Gate. Essentially, he told his followers that he is one of the prophets spoken about in Revelation chapter 11. And he told them that he has a revelation for them. He got a number of followers, and essentially what he told them was, we need to leave this earth. And the way we're going to do it is by entering the spaceship that is at the back of this comet, Hale-Boop. He told them there's a spaceship at the end of this comet. And as it goes past, we need to shed our physical bodies, essentially commit suicide, so we can enter this spaceship. The sad thing is that 39 of his followers believed him. And they all committed suicide. The things that we believe can have serious impact on our lives. Jesus told his disciples when they asked him the sign of the end of the age, the first thing he told them was, watch out that no one deceives you. Jesus knew that at the time of the end, there would be a deception such as never has been before. And we're told to watch out that we're not deceived because even the very elect may be deceived. Let's have a look at how Jesus will return. We're told in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 to 11. It says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up at the heaven? I thought that that was an interesting question for them to ask. Here they are seeing Jesus essentially rising to the heavens. I'm assuming he would have probably said goodbye and then just started going up towards heaven. And they're there looking at him, probably with their mouths open. And these two angels say, hey, why are you looking up towards heaven? I think they were like, um, didn't you see what just happened? The angels continued by saying, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Now, this is very important because it tells us how to expect Jesus to return. They saw him going up into heaven, so he will come down from heaven. He's not going to appear on some television channel here or there or in some secret place. He's going to come down out of heaven. 
Now, there were people who saw Jesus going into heaven. In a similar fashion, people will see Jesus' return. It will be a physical event. Jesus physically went into heaven. It wasn't a spiritual event. It was something that Jesus' physical body was involved in. He had been there with them. He had been eating with them. He had been talking to them. They would be placing their hands on him and he physically went up into heaven. So when he returns, it's going to be an actual, physical, real event. Now some people say, well, Marius, what about the rapture? I've heard stuff about a secret rapture. What's going to happen there? We'll find out just after this song. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at how will Jesus return? We've so far discovered that it will happen in the same way that he went to heaven. It will be an actual physical event that people will see. But what about the rapture? Many are talking about a secret rapture. What does the Bible teach about this topic? If you look at what most of Christianity believes today, there are essentially two prominent beliefs. One is that Jesus will return before the time of tribulation, which they say is a secret rapture where he will take everyone to heaven secretly. And another group believes that Jesus will return after the time of tribulation, and then he will take everyone to heaven. Let's have a look. What does the Bible say? We find this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, which says, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left behind. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And people say, do you see here, Marius? One will be taken, one will be left. It appears that they'll be going up and you won't even know about it. So to understand this, we need to have a look at how verses fit in together. 
You see, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 10, we're told that precept must be upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Essentially, what Isaiah is saying to us is that our belief system needs to be built like a well-structured house. It needs to have this precept upon that precept and this line upon that line. You can't just have one single verse or one idea and make up an entire doctrine around it. You need supporting verses, supporting evidences for that doctrine. To understand what many people believe today about the secret rapture, we need to look at something called futurism. Up until about 200 years ago, the vast majority of the Christian world believed in a way of interpreting biblical prophecy known as historicism. The historicist way of looking at prophecy meant that the prophetic events happen throughout history in various places. However, as people were looking at prophecy this way, they identified that prophecy speaks about the Catholic Church. As the Protestant movement was beginning to form, many people started leaving the Catholic Church, and this was an obvious problem for the Catholic Church. Now, a gentleman by the name of Francisco Ribera was a Jesuit priest. He was part of the Counter-Reformation. He wrote a book offering an alternative interpretation of biblical prophecy. And one of the reasons he did this was to bring back the Protestants to the Catholic Church. Essentially, what he wrote was that biblical prophecy speaks about events that will happen in the distant future. This way of interpreting biblical prophecy didn't really become popular until a little over 200 years after he wrote it. When a gentleman by the name of John Nelson Darby began reading his book and forming his beliefs about futurism. In fact, if you look online, John Nelson Darby is referred to as the father of futurism. Now, I personally don't believe that's correct. The father of futurism is actually Francisco Ribera, but John Nelson Darby is the one who made it popular. What John Nelson Darby essentially got from Francisco Ribera was that the part of biblical prophecy that pertains to the Antichrist will not happen until the very last few years before Jesus returns. And he also popularized the idea that there will be a secret rapture. All those who believe in Jesus will then be taken in heaven. Then there will be seven years of tribulation. And in the middle of this time, the Antichrist will come. This was a very clever ploy from Francisco Ribera, where they were taking the spotlight off the Catholic Church. And they were saying, oh, no, 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 you don't need to worry about this part of the prophecy which points towards us. This won't happen until an unspecified time in the future. The other thing that Darby made popular was that those who haven't been taken up in the secret rapture will have the opportunity to change their minds and repent. Essentially, what he was saying is, if you don't make it the first time, Don't stress, don't worry about it, you'll go through some hard times, but there's going to be a time of tribulation, it'll be difficult, but you can still change your mind and make it. This idea was taken on by Schofield, who wrote the Schofield Reference Bible. This was a very popular Bible in the Protestant churches, and it took off in the Protestant world. Now, What does the Bible actually say? Does the Bible say that there will be a tribulation, that you will have a second chance after part of Christians have been taken to heaven? Because if it doesn't say this and you think you may have a second chance and you don't, you could find yourself in serious trouble. Does the Bible support this idea that Jesus will come secretly? We'll find out just after this song. God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. Thy faithfulness 
thy faithfulness Morning by morning new mercies I see And all I have needed thy hands have provided Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Jigao, and today we're looking at Jesus' return. We've so far discovered that it will happen in the same way as when he went to heaven. It will be an actual physical event, but what about the rapture? Many are talking about a secret rapture. What does the Bible teach about this? We've discovered that the concept of the secret rapture was conceived by a Jesuit priest called Francisco Ribera in an effort to counter the Protestant movement in the late 1500s. But will there be a secret rapture? Doesn't the Bible speak of two men will be in the field, one will be taken and another left? Essentially, what the Bible is saying here is that one person will go with Jesus and the other will be left behind. It's not specifying that this will be a secret event. In fact, if you read the previous two verses, it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Essentially, during Noah's time, there were eight people who were taken into the ark. The rest were left behind, but none of this happened in secret. You can be very sure that those outside the ark knew very well that there was a flood going on, that judgment was upon them. So let's have a look. What will Jesus' return look like? If we look in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, we're told, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Here we are told something very interesting. We are told that every eye will see him. Now, does that mean that the eyes of the people in India will see him? Yes. They will see him. Every eye will see him. Does that mean that the eyes of the people in Hawaii will see him? Yes, every eye will see him. Those in Africa will see him. Those in Indonesia will see him. Even those in Australia will see him. We're also told in Matthew 24 verse 30, The sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We find in this verse that it's not just the eyes of those who will be saved that will see him. It's also the eyes of those who will mourn. When Jesus returns, there are going to be two groups of people. There will be one group of people who are going to be glad to see him. They will say, this is our savior. We have waited for him and he will save us. And there's going to be another group who will mourn, who will cry for the rocks to fall upon them. This will be a terrifying event for them. 
Now, what we're told is that both classes will see him. We're told that as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Here again, we see that it will be a very visual event. Lightning at the time was the brightest light one would see at night. And Jesus used it as an illustration that from the east to the west, as lightning, every eye will see him. But we won't just see him. The Bible tells us that this will be an audible event. In Psalms chapter 50 verse 3 it says, Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. Is this going to be a secret event? No, it's going to be a loud event. And listen to what it says will happen afterwards. And fire shall devour before him. It shall be very tempestuous all around him. Now, does this sound like a secret event that no one notices? No, it's clearly an event that everyone around is seeing what is happening. Now, if we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, here we see that this is a very loud event. Three times he mentions things pertaining to sound. He will come with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. This is a loud event that even wakes up the dead. So, we've seen that it will be a loud event and every eye will see him. Does the Bible tell us anything else about this? We'll find out just after this song. El Shaddai, El Yonah Adonai Age to age, you're still the same By the power of the name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Erechim Kana Adonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai Through your love and through the ram You saved the son of Abraham And by the power of your hand Turn the sea into dry land To the outcast on her knees God who really sees And by your might You set your children free El Shaddai El Shaddai El Adonai Age to age You're still the same By the power the name El Shaddai El Shaddai Erechim Kana Adonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai Through the years you made it clear That the time of Christ was near Though the people failed to see what Messiah ought to be, though your word contained the plan, they just could not understand that your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. El Shaddai, El Adonai Age to age, you're still the same By the power 
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao, and today we're talking about Jesus' return. We've so far discovered that it will happen in the same way as when he went to heaven. It'll be an actual physical event. It will by no means be secret, and it will be a very loud event that every eye will see. In Matthew 16 verse 27, we're told that the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. We find out here that when Jesus returns, it will be with his angels. Now, I don't know how many angels God has. But in Matthew chapter 18, it implies that there's at least one angel for each person. There may be many more than that. I'm assuming that there are billions of angels. This is going to be a grandiose event. Everyone will hear it. Everyone will see it. But notice what it says here. It says that he will reward each according to their works. When Jesus returns, there will be a reward according to the works that the people have done. And some people say to me, but Marius, what about the thief? I'm sure I've read somewhere that the Bible says that Jesus comes as a thief in the night. Doesn't that suggest it's a secret that no one knows about? Well, let's have a look at this verse. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And people stop here and say, "Uh aha, you see, it's a secret. It's something that happens without people noticing. And this baffles me every time because it seems that people fail to read the rest of the verse. They just read the first sentence. The rest of this verse says, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. This isn't a secret event. Yes, it happens as a thief. But what this refers to is that it's a surprise to some of us when Jesus returns. You see, you don't expect the thief to come to your house. You don't have a thief calling and saying, "Uh, Marius, I'm going to be coming to your house tomorrow around 2.30. Please make sure you're not there. No, that's not the way it goes. When a thief comes, it's unexpected. But once a thief comes you know very well that he's been there. It's the same with Jesus' return. He will come as a thief, but when he does, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. So then, what will happen to the wicked? What will happen to those who haven't accepted Jesus? We find a number of verses about this as well. In 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7-9, to it says, And give relief to you who are troubled, and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord from the glory of his might. So what will happen to the wicked when Jesus returns? They shall be destroyed. And how will this happen? Well, we're told in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, Then shall the wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. When Jesus returns, some of us will be glad to see him. Others will be absolutely 
terrified. They will be destroyed by the brightness of his coming. There is a very distressing verse in Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 33 and it says, And that day the slain of the Lord shall be from one end of the earth even to the other end. They shall not be lamented, nor gathered, nor buried. They shall become refuse on the ground. Here we find out something very, very clear. When Jesus returns, it's not going to be a secret rapture where people will have time to change their minds. No, when Jesus returns, it will be a loud, visible event. And those who haven't accepted the price that he has paid for them will on that day be destroyed. Essentially, there are two classes of people. There is the class who says, yes, Jesus, I accept your will to be done in my life. And there are those who say, no, I don't accept your will in my life. I will be paying the price for my own sins. We found out the terrible thing that happens to those who haven't accepted Jesus when he returns. But what about to those who have accepted Jesus? I'm glad you asked. We'll find out just after this song. My worth is not in what I own Not in the strength of flesh and bone But in the costly wounds of love At the cross is not in skill or name in win or lose in pride or shame but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross I rejoice in my Redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul Trust in Him, no other My soul is satisfied in Him alone As summer flowers we fade and die Fame, youth and beauty hurry by But life eternal calls to us cross I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross I rejoice in my Trust in Him, no other My soul is satisfied in Him alone Do wonders here that I confess My worth and my unworthiness My value my ransom paid at the cross I rejoice in my Redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul I will trust in Him no other my soul is satisfied in Him alone Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Marius Gigawan. Today we're looking at Jesus' return. 
We've so far discovered that it will happen in the same way as when he went to heaven. It will be an actual physical event. It will by no means be secret, as we are clearly told that every eye will see him. We've also discovered that while he comes as a thief in the night, the rest of this verse continues by saying, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the earth will melt with fervent heat. At this time, those who have chosen to reject God will be destroyed. But what happens to those who love God? We're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 15-17, an amazing promise. This is my favorite verses in the Bible. We're told that this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. There will be people alive when Jesus returns. I personally believe and hope that Jesus will return in my lifetime. I see the signs that are happening around us, and I can't help but see that this will happen soon, and I hope that I will be one of those who will be alive when Jesus returns. But what this verse is telling us is that those who are alive don't get to go to heaven first. Nor do those who have died get to go to heaven first. Those who have died get raised up, and we will meet Jesus with them together. Notice what the verse continues by saying. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. We've had a look at this in one of our previous presentations, The Signs of the End, and I just wanted to quickly go through a couple of points and review them. Jesus gave us some signs of the end of the age. He told us that it will be like birth pains, increasing in duration and intensity just before he returns. He said that there will be deception. There will be people claiming to be Christ. There will be natural disasters. We saw that each one of these is happening today exactly as Jesus foretold. Peter told us that in the last days there will be scoffers saying, where is his coming? And forgetting that the world was created. Now, if you look at our educational institutions, many Christians there are embarrassed to say that they believe in a biblical creation. Because if they do, they get scoffed at. We were told that in the last days, the world will forget that it was created. Daniel said that people will run to and fro with speeds like never before. It's exactly what we're seeing today. We are also told that knowledge will increase. Knowledge is currently doubling every 13 months. While in the 19th century, it took a 100 years for knowledge to double. Paul gives us an interesting quote. And this is exactly what's happening today. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. This is what we're seeing in the world today. Jesus also told us that just before his return, it will be as it was in the days of Lot. The problem in the days of Lot was a problem of sexual immorality. We are seeing this is a huge problem in our world today. Our world today is more perverse than it has ever been before. Sexual immorality is more readily available at the touch of our fingertips almost everywhere you are. This is what Jesus foretold. He also said that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all the way. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. I think of this and I try to imagine what the days of Noah were like. Noah had been building his ark for a very long time. Many believe that it was 120 years. And he had been preaching this gospel. There's going to be a flood. And people were like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Rain. What is this rain? We've never seen rain before. All the top scientists would have been like, listen to Noah. He's one of those 
crazy, fanatical Christians. Don't listen to him. He's a conspiracy theorist. Don't worry about him. I can see that Twitter would have been banning his accounts. Here he is building a boat in the middle of nowhere. Forget about him. But God had given them a number of prophecies. There was the prophecy of Methuselah, that after he died, it would come. And Methuselah was getting older and older. In fact, he was the oldest person in the Bible. The prophecy stated that after he dies, the flood will come. But life continued as normal. One day appeared like the next day. And the next day seemed like the one before. And people had just gotten so used to life going on as normal that when the flood came, they didn't take notice of the signs they were given and it took them all away. As a thief in the night, unexpected, it took them all away. Jesus tells us when he began his ministry, the first thing that he said was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have this idea of the kingdom of heaven appearing numerous times in Scripture. Jesus was going through the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Jesus was talking about this kingdom and saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But I'd like us to realize something very important. When the Bible speaks about the kingdom of heaven, it's not just speaking about the kingdom of heaven that will occur in heaven. There is a kingdom of God that can begin right here on earth. This kingdom can begin right now in our hearts. We don't need to wait. The enemy wants us to wait. But the kingdom of God should begin right now. John writes to us in one of my favorite passages in the Bible. He says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away Every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Jesus is returning soon. My question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? There will be two classes of people when he returns. Those who have said, Lord, your will be done. And those other ones to whom God will have to say, your will be done. I want to ask you today to make a decision. If there's something holding you back, I want to ask you to make a decision to be part of his kingdom. I invite you to make that decision in your heart right now as we close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are coming soon. We thank you that this will be an amazing event. Father, we look forward to the day when we can see your face and say, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have presentations on many topics, including the one we've just been talking about called How Will the World End? We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigau. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day. Just as I am without one plea, but that that love was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to. I come 
Just as I am And waiting not To rid my soul Of one dark blood To Thee whose blood can cleanse Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without all land of God. How great Thou art, how 
listening to is it relevant today if you have any questions or comments please leave them on our facebook page is it relevant today but for now thanks for listening and we look forward to seeing you next week i love to tell the story twill be my theme in glory to tell the old old story Of Jesus and His love